0: Football Social Daily, Premier League updates.
2: This is Football Social Daily, your only daily Premier League podcast. Go and subscribe to the show so you never miss another episode. Seven days a week, we'll be bringing you content right here on this very channel. This is your Premier League update for today, Tuesday, and this is what's in the news. Christian Benteke has been given an interview and he thinks he can still play up front for Liverpool. Okay then, Wilf Zaha says his head was all over the place in the summer when he handed in his Crystal Palace transfer request amidst interest from Arsenal and Everton Hugo Lloris is injured until 2020 the Tottenham keeper dislocating his elbow after dropping the ball on Neil Mopé's head so a bit of a double whammy for him in the 3-0 defeat at the Amex Stadium to Brighton and are Arsenal better than we give them credit for currently lurking around those top four spots in the Premier League table my name's Naam McCorn alongside me in the studio today we have Stefan Armstrong hello, hello Niall. Um, we have Marley Anderson hello Marley hello Right, let's get straight into it. Let's talk about Christian Benteke. If I asked you very simply, could Christian Benteke still play up front for Liverpool,
0: what would you say? 100% one of the most underrated uh, strikers in the Premier League era, one of my favourite players of all time, Christian Benteke. And one, a, a more concise
2: answer from you,
1: Marley? <laughs> Not a chance.
0: Okay, moving no. swiftly on. Uh, that's that section of the podcast. Can, can, can I just say that? I forgot he played for Liverpool. Right, like, it's very unmemorable that season at
1: Liverpool. Yeah. That but, was the season when they bought like Downing and Charlie Adam and stuff, and Liverpool are like, genuinely shaggy. Does he
0: seriously think he could play for Liverpool still? Was he being serious? He was being serious,
2: and let's give this article a little bit of context here, because it's only fair to Christian Benteke. He was asked whether he feels he could play in Liverpool's front three, and he gave the answer yes, but his reasoning was because he would have been training with the likes of Salah, Firmino, of course, Mane as well, and they would have been practising that system. And he would feel more a part of the team, and of course, training with the manager as well. He would have felt like there was more chance of him scoring goals in that system. That was his explanation. <laughs> I mean,
1: that's, that's, that's like saying if you put me up front in Liverpool's training <laughs> ground, everyone else is so bloody good that I'd get a few tap-ins. Yeah, <laughs> like, to yeah me, you, you yeah, might yeah, do. You would, yeah, but doesn't mean I'm good enough. It's
0: that's a weird one, isn't it? I mean, he wouldn't even he wouldn't even get a game. Like obviously, Origi would play in front of him. He spent one season. At Liverpool, or think, at least
2: a year. Did he scored anyway.
0: about ten goals, or so. He scored a
2: few goals. Nine goals in twenty-nine Premier League appearances. Not terrible.
1: It's not that bad.
0: One in three, roughly. Any, not. Any... It's kind of like a Liverpool fringe player, but I'm guessing this was 2015, maybe. 2015 to 2016, he spent at Liverpool. Okay, yeah. so just before Liverpool's kind of transition into the, the Klopp era. So.
2: Well, it was. It was shortly after the Gerard slip. Liverpool lost the league to. Manchester City on that occasion, of course, in Gerard slipping in that game against Chelsea, where famously Denver Bar ran through on goal and, and put the ball in, in the back mm-hmm. of the net. I don't know if he had to replace Suarez, but certainly that was what Liverpool had lost compared to what they had coming in in Christian Benteke, who had done a reasonable job at Aston Villa. But let's not forget, Aston Villa got relegated. So, you know, you're replacing a striker who's come from Ajax in, in uh, Luis Suarez. And I know maybe he's not a direct replacement and people will argue that point, but... Let's face it, you've got someone of the quality of Suarez going out, who's going to a team like Barcelona. Then you've got someone coming in from Aston Villa, and that's no disrespect to them, who had just been relegated in Christian Benteke. It
0: just, was it ever going to work? Is, is this latest sort of article a bit of a dig at his Crystal Palace teammates?
2: Well, I tell you what, this is an interesting point because we can bring it on to Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace are currently sixth in the Premier League, heading into the international break, and we'll come on to Wilfred Zaha a bit later on in the show. But they've scored eight goals in the Premier League this season. What
0: one one nil a few times?
2: And Jordan you was the most recent goal scorer, scoring that last minute winner against West Ham United in uh, in the weekend's Premier League fixture. But Christian Benteke and Connor Wickham, Roy Hodgson's two other striking options, haven't scored a goal yet. Connor mm. Wickham, Jesus. So Crystal Palace have obviously got some issues in terms of scoring goals. But has has Benteke got a point? In all seriousness, you still think he's not up to the quality? You say. You know that's a fringe player for Liverpool. Could he still be a fringe player for Liverpool?
0: I, f- I think yeah. I think you end up playing at the level you should be playing at. And I think Benteke now in this part of his career, I know he's only about twenty eight or so, which which maybe proves the point more. But he is a kind of a Crystal Palace level player. I don't. Yeah. I don't think he'd get much of a sniff at Liverpool. So no, I think I think I think the world is right as it should be. Yeah. Christian Benteke, though, Marley, in all seriousness, does need to step up his uh,
2: goal-scoring prowess. Four goals in his last 57 Crystal Palace appearances. He's big, he's strong, six foot three. He's got attributes that you'd probably want from a physical Premier League striker. Why Why is he not being able to find the net at the moment?
1: Yeah, well, in I think in that article, they, they do mention that um, Crystal Palace aren't crossing the ball enough. And when he was at Villa, he was the focal point. He was everything. Like, it, everything was set up to... Get Benteke to use his power and his ability to uh, to disrupt defenses, and a lot of a lot of his game was heading crosses in because he's six foot three. He's, a, he's as strong as they come. He's an absolute nightmare for defenders when he's when he was at Villa and he was on his game. Hmm. He was only 23 24 so he was absolutely smashing goals in left, right, and centre every type of goal. I, think I mentioned, he, I remember he scored a bicycle kick at Old Trafford once, yeah. and I was like, "Jeez, I've never seen a six foot three guy before that score over a." Kick like that! Oh, Peter Crouch scored a one <laughs> <everybody>. <laughs> but he was like a big, like like a wacky inflatable arm tube guy. Yeah, yeah, But Ventekus was brilliant, but since then, since he went to Liverpool, it was never going to work at Liverpool because even though they might have played that style sparingly, it was never going to be long term. So, I think um, when Dalgleish left and and Klopp came in, it was like right, we're going to play actual football. And he never really had a sniff from there. Um, But to come out and to say that he could still do a job. I mean, it's, it's saying that he's still confident in his ability, which is fine. You can't knock him for that. That's absolutely fine. Like everyone's got to be confident in what they can do when they get on the field. But to say it, at a time when you've scored like five in however many, yeah. 57 games or whatever it was. If, if I was a Palace really player today
0: coming into training, I'd be saying, cheers, Christian, for just putting us down like that. Saying, you know, <laughs> Liverpool are miles better than us. Cheers, mate.
1: Crystal Palace need to
2: buy a new striker in January. That's according to Roy Hodgson, who was speaking to the press earlier this week. He says that if they want to maintain a, a top half finish, they need to go out and buy another striker. When you've got Benteke not scoring and Connor Wickham not scoring... You can't blame Hodgson for saying that, but do you think sometimes it's uh, a bit of a kick up the backside from a manager when they say, right, we're going out to buy a new striker in January? Uh, No, I think he'd probably
0: just meander even more. Like, (laughs) like, I don't don't know. No, I don't think it would make any difference to Benteke.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's two months now for him to... To prove he can sort of lead the line and be that be that man.
0: Connor Wickham on the other hand would be electric after another striker coming
1: in. <laughs> he'd be class.
2: Well, unless he's on the verge of a new contract, then he might be absolutely <laughs> on fire. Uh, let's rate. Uh, let's keep with Crystal Palace and now talk about Wilfred Zaha, who's been speaking to the press also, and he said his head was all over the place because of transfer speculation that took place in the summer. There was price tags anywhere between seventy and hundred million pounds touted for him to join either Arsenal or Everton. I think even European clubs were being uh, mooted as possibly being interested as well at one point. Crystal Palace didn't let him leave. He handed in a transfer request late on in the day. He's not been his usual self this season, which you can kind of expect when a player gets his head turned. How important is it that Crystal Palace have kind of stepped up their game at the expense of Zaha in terms of they've not relied on him solely this season. He's not really had the the biggest of impacts. He had a good piece of skill in the weekend at the weekend against West Ham, but he's not had the biggest of impacts in all of Crystal Palace's four wins so far.
0: Maybe that's not a coincidence. Maybe, maybe that Crystal Palace are doing better because they're not just relying on Wolf Zaha. They're not just playing it to him through him every time. We've spoken about Zaha a few times on this podcast and I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of him, to be honest. Um, I, we, we spoke about how he went to Man United and didn't quite make it and came back. Uh, and he's done well since, to be fair. But I don't know if he's if he's really a, a top, top, top winger. Um, I think he's very good, but not a top one. So it's I, think, I find it a bit strange how his head has been turned this summer and how he's kind of lost his form because of that. Or is it because of that? I don't know. But um, I think he's had a strange season, to be honest, Wolf Saha. Is he a top player, Marley, do you think?
1: Yeah, I think he is, but it's... It's whether he can do it at the top level or when he inevitably gets that move, because he's only staying at maximum staying at Palace for the rest of the season. Probably going to leave in January. Where I mean, would he go though, like Tottenham? Anywhere. He doesn't, he doesn't give a shit where he goes. He just wants to be away from but Palace. But I'm, saying, I'm he... saying who wants him? Everton will still want him, because they'll still be struggling by that point, I would think, because they'd still be on the outside chance for, uh, let's say they've turned it round in December. They'd still be going into January off the pace, so they'd still need another winger. Um, or they still want another winger? Tottenham might want him. They mm. could have a new manager by that by January. Mm. Who knows? They might want him, um, especially if they get rid of Eriksen or whoever. Like, there's going to be an upheaval there. They could want him, um, and then you never know around Europe. PSG will link with a little a move for him, but I don't think they'll come back in. Um, I don't but, think he's a big enough name to play for somebody like PSG. But yeah, but if Neymar goes, they want another winger. Like they they replaced like Eric Maxim Choupo-Moting is playing for PSG at the minute. Yeah, he's and he's got he's an get, assist he's at the weekend. A few games, yeah. <laughs> he set up Neymar at the weekend for his for his goal. So they're not adverse to coming to the Premier League and saying, well, he was shit there, but you know we'll have him. Like they signed Gay from from Everton, he's been brilliant for them. Yeah, he
2: has been brilliant. He's yeah. been excellent. Yeah. And
1: then So there's no reason why they wouldn't be looking at the Premier League and just monitoring everything.
2: Chupo Motin's up there with one of the more obscure names oh, uh, in Premier as League as football along with Jan Venegor of Hesselink, which I was trying to figure out the other day yeah. how much it would cost you at the club shop that's to a get great name, a Jan Venegor of Hesselink shirt printed <laughs> uh, if it's a quid a letter it's going to cost you an extra 20 odd quid at least <laughs> £80 million pounds, though let's just say that's what Wilfred Zaha's worth was that what he was worth last season by January will he still be worth that amount of money considering so far this season he's been alright but he's not set the world on fire like he did last year
0: I, I, I don't think you can put a price tag like that on him. He's scored 30 goals since he's been back at Palace, which is for quite a few years now. Well,
2: he's closing in on 300 appearances for
0: Crystal Palace. I, I, I don't think his, his stats are good enough to warrant that type of money.
2: But he can't help how much he's worth, because that, that's a difficult thing as a player, isn't it? You're lumped with this price tag, and I guess that's what Paul Pogba's having issues with at Manchester United. Everyone's saying, oh, he's 90 Paul million. Paul Pogba's just lazy. He's He's, 90 not, million having, pounds, he's right. not having
0: issues with that. But Paul Pogba's just lazy. I, I think his. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of him, so I'm, I'm never going to I'm never gonna big him up massively. But uh, he hasn't had the best season. Um, maybe it's good for him if he goes somewhere.
2: If you see what's happening at Spurs, and we'll come on to Spurs when we talk about Lloris a bit later on in the show, they've got players in their squad who wanted away in the summer. And look how much of a damaging effect that's had on their team this season. I mean, you can clearly see that Spurs, with all the players that have decided they don't want to be there anymore, that's had a real damaging effect on their chances this season. At least with Crystal Palace, it was just the one player. And and like you said, maybe they don't need to rely on Zaha. But when it's a whole team like Spurs, it becomes difficult. So, I mean, is it honest of Zaha to come out and admit that, you know, he wasn't in the right frame of mind at the start of the season and now perhaps it's just starting to click back
1: into place? It's, It's honest because I think Zaha can say what he wants because he knows that Crystal Palace are lucky to have a player as good as him. Like he's done so much over the over the years that, like when he when he kicked his toys out of the pram in the summer and he was genuinely like mm. so disrespectful to the club to say, like he just basically went on strike trying to force through a late move. Nobody really wanted him. He would have went to Everton if anywhere, which isn't a, you know, it's not exactly a top team, is it? No, they're in the relegation zone. Exactly. Marley. Like it was, wasn't it? it was Spurs or Everton, and then Spurs didn't want him, and then Everton were like, well, we can't because we've just signed Iwobi instead, so that fell through and all of a sudden it was like two weeks later he was in the Palace team again and it's that kind of like mentality of if he did that at like uh, a top four or a top six club he wouldn't have been welcomed back into the team so quickly he would have been kicked out made to to train with the reserves or find and what have you and then at Palace he's just like swan back in and it's like Palace deep down is saying right he's He's a bit too good for us, so we'll, we'll be. We're gonna. We're not gonna go mad at him and kick him out because he's really. He's really good and he's our best player still, hmm. and we need to get money out of him. I, f- I think
0: um, somebody like Roy Hodgson has, has managed the situation really well. I think you know you're saying at Tottenham. It's all going off a little bit right now. Yeah. Um. It seems quite calm at Palace. Obviously, they're doing well, but it seems really calm. Yeah. And I think that's probably Roy Hodgson's old head. Is he underrated, Roy Hodgson, um, as a manager? No. No, I think I think he's rated as he should be. Former England manager, he probably he's probably quite lucky to get that job. I think. Um, but well, no, they needed not... they needed someone when Frank de Boer was sacked after four games. I think
2: they wanted a bit of stability. Roy th- Hodgson will bring that. I think he's steady. I think he's safe.
0: That's what Roy Hodgson is. If
2: he gets Crystal Palace into the top ten, and as he was kind of hinting at in his press conference. Thinking about the top six after they've made such a good start, I don't think it's possible. I think maybe he's getting a little bit excited there. Then would he be underrated if you got him into the top 10, top six? Because a lot of us on this podcast, admittedly, had Crystal Palace to be real strugglers this season.
1: I'd, I don't think he can be overrated this late in your career. Oh, sorry, underrated this, this late in your career. Like he's been around, he's been managing for what, 30 odd years? Mm hmm. He's found his level a long time ago. He's, he's a legend managing, in Swedish football. Yeah, managing in Scandinavia. I think he managed the. He's uh, been everywhere. A few he? national teams. Over Into it. Milan,
2: I think he was a manager at one point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um,
1: but then later on, he's he's found his level now, and it's kind of. He's just he, settled he, in, not Where's he gonna go from Palace? If he if he was if pe- people aren't looking at Roy Hodgson and linking him with bigger jobs, they're just ignoring him because it's just it's just Roy Hodgson. Yeah, he's uh, been around for too long. He's too long in the tooth to go. He's he's peaked at England basically, yeah, yeah, and then he's doing a good job at Palace, which is which he's one is of fine. the last
0: of the great footballing dinosaurs. He also managed yeah. a
2: club called Viking once. Yeah. What a good name that is! Viking, um, seventy-two years old, the oldest manager currently in the Premier League. Right after the break, we'll be talking about Hugo Lloris, who nastily popped his elbow out. Uh, sorry if you're eating your breakfast right now, but that's exactly what happened in Spurs' 3-0 defeat at the Amex Stadium at the hands of Brighton. And our Arsenal, Spurs North London rivals, better than we give them credit for. Their defence is shaky and probably still is, but they are creeping up on those Champions League spots. Stay tuned here on Football Social Daily.
1: Football Social Daily.
0: Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily, Premier League updates. Welcome back to Football
2: Social Daily. This is the only Premier League podcast you can find that comes out every single day. So make sure you hit subscribe. You never miss a show. It will drop straight into your inbox. We'll let you know when a new one is ready to download and if you've got an Amazon Alexa smart speaker ask Alexa to open sports social to get Premier League match reports match previews and daily news updates for your Premier League team right moving on now to Hugo Lloris who it's been announced will be injured until at least 2020 he won't be making a comeback until the new year after popping his elbow out of place following a dropped cross which he unfortunately dropped straight into the path of Brighton striker Neil Mope, who headed into an empty net. It was a routine cross. He should have caught it. You don't want to be too harsh on him because he dislocated his elbow. Have you seen a m- picture of it? But we, I haven't, but oh. I've seen the fo- I've seen the footage oh, of it's it. It's
0: like he's got like a third leg just like growing out of his back. <laughs> minging. you got
2: to be careful what you say when you mention third leg. <laughs> <around here. laughs> that, can, that can mean something else in different parts of the world. You don't want to be too harsh on him because he's injured himself badly, but he made the mistake, Marley before he got the injury mm-hmm. and that will be a concern moving forward for Tottenham in the goalkeeping department.
1: I mean did he did he break it as he landed? Yeah, he dropped oh. the, he dropped the yeah. cross so and then landed con- on his elbow. As a consequence of making an absolute howler. He just came down <laughs> and, <laughs> and then elbow. he's broke his
2: elbow. Yeah.
1: He's had a sting. Oh God. Stefan's just showed me a picture of it. That's Oh, oh, that's horrible! Hang on, hang on.
0: I'm coming round the other side of the desk. Oh, oh
1: that's not good.
0: Okay, that... here we go. Oh, it's right nasty. Yeah, it's not good. Oh, look at that! You can see the pain oh, in his yeah. face. Oh, yeah, oh, Hugh, I feel sorry for if him. You're right. oh. In
2: maths, that is what you would call an obtuse angle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, yeah. It's further than 90 degrees, isn't it? That's yeah. not good. Um no, but, you don't yeah, want to see As as we say, he's going to be out for a while. Uh, Gazaniga, more than suitable replacement. Paulo, what? Really? Oh, yeah, I think so. I think so. shite to be. Well, honest. in the form that larissa has been in at the moment, I don't think Gazaniga can be too much worse. I mean, mm. as good as Larissa is, he's the Spurs captain, he's just not been right the last 18 months.
1: Yeah, he to be fair, yeah, he hasn't been right. Um but also I think Gazaniga's huge drop down from mm. from someone of Larissa's level. Um for example, the the Aaron Connolly goal was was great at the weekend. It was poor defending and it was it was Gazzaniga was too far over to his near post, and it made the finish a lot easier than than it looked at first. Um, although it was still a great finish, still Connolly did really well. Um, but they've they've got to sort that out now. It's just another problem for Spurs, isn't it? I've, like, I've
0: never heard of Gazaniga to be honest before. This is he,
1: he was at Southampton, I think, wasn't he? Yeah, and then yeah, Chillingham, right,
2: Rio
0: Valenzo, that. or someone like this, Yeah,
2: he was a he was a. Gillingham before that as well I think so yeah he's not he's, he's not had the most decorated career he really? no never but I mean is this a chance for him to? A, are Tottenham it? kind
0: of the only team in, in the top four who haven't really got a, a well known second keeper
2: well they don't really have a third choice keeper either I can't think of who, who would be I've Tottenham's thought... third <laughs> choice if you're a Spurs fan let us know by the way tweet us at the sports
0: social on Twitter
2: because jo- I, I can't think for the life a, of me
0: I'm on TottenhamHotspur.com
1: is not yeah, Jordan you be
2: a
0: youth player in their first team they've only got two goalkeepers
2: Wow, okay, so someone's gonna to have to be it's called got- up from the youth or someone who's out on loan perhaps. Yeah, we'll have to be, be. will have to be called back up to the first team. Brandon
0: Austin of the under twenty threes from Hemel Hempstead. He well, might be in, in net soon. Brandon,
2: you might be on the bench for the next Premier League game. <laughs> um but in all seriousness, is that another area that Spurs need to address in January? They went two years without making a transfer, Marley, so you mm-hmm. know that was all talked about when they got to the Champions League final. Poch has done an amazing job. And then in the mm-hmm. summer you've got this mini revolt where players want to leave. And now you've got a goalkeeping not crisis, but certainly your key goalkeeper and your captain's injured. Is that another area now? Another you know note on Daniel Levy's shopping list?
1: Yeah, it might have to be. Um, they released. I'm just looking now. Actually, they released Michel Vorm in the summer, um, and he hasn't got a club, so maybe bring maybe him back. a short-term him back deal in. for him. Um, although I'll go on, quite happily go on and say Michel Vaughan is absolutely shite as well. <laughs> He's considering he was good at Swansea, and remember that year Swansea just. Smashed everyone with Michu, Mechu, what a people season. like that, yeah, Pablo yeah. Hernandez. They had Vorm in goal, and he was brilliant. And then Spurs signed him, and he just he can't catch a cross, can't catch a cold. Can't couldn't catch, catch him out. Probably if Larice smashed his elbow trying to do a cross, I don't know what Vorm would do. <laughs> probably break his neck or something. This but.
0: this injury perfectly highlights all the problems at Tottenham. Though. And we've said it show after show after show. It's transfers, not getting players in, and not getting contracts done. And that's like that's like a board level problem, isn't it?
2: Yeah. So, so what's the solution? Is it Spurs go out and spend a load of money because Pochettino's not going to get sacked? I, f- I,
0: f- I don't know. I don't, this this is a problem with the January transfer window. Like, who can you get in who's really really top quality? just every- don't want anybody to leave them, so. and
2: everything's more expensive in January.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think maybe just mm, write this. No, I don't want to say write this season off because it's far too early. We might have a bit of form, but limit expectations this season and buy big in the summer.
2: Uh, who would you rather have? We'll play a little would you rather. Gazaniga or Vorm? Gazaniga. Well, you think Vorm's that bad? Yeah. <laughs> You're slagging yeah, off because... Gazaniga, and now you'd rather have him over Vorm. Yeah, oh. because...
1: Um, who was it last season? Spurs played a cup game last season and they got embarrassed. I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Newport or something like that. And they just put crosses on Vorm and he just couldn't catch anything. And they, I remember seeing a, a... Like a dossier, like a scouting dossier of... of hmm of a game plan to stop Spurs and it was essentially win free kicks out wide and just stick them on the goalkeeper and win wing corners and put them on the goalie, get an in-swing and crowd, crowd the goalie and it worked because they scored from from that, that exact thing they just smashed the goalie and he tried to come through a crowd of bodies, missed the ball and they ended up conceding and losing I'd, I'd rather have Brandon Austin
0: Get
2: him in. Get him in. Get the young lad in. Give him a chance. Give youth a chance. That's what everyone's been shouting. Uh, Everyone's been shouting that at Manchester United, of course. Give youth a chance. And we've seen the likes of Greenwood, Sean, Gomez, Garner as well, uh, making appearances for Manchester United in recent weeks. And speaking of Manchester United, we have a special podcast tomorrow with full-time Devils. Make sure you don't miss it if you are a Manchester United fan, because... A club in crisis is what people are calling it. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has a real problem on his hands at Old Trafford. So make sure you go and check out the podcast tomorrow if you are a Manchester United fan because we'll be taking calls and all sorts from loads of Manchester United fans across the world. So don't miss that one. But let's move to the other side of North London now for the final section of the show. Arsenal, I think they're probably better than people are giving them credit for, which is interesting because they're currently third in the Premier League table, Steph. Uh, They won on opening day, I think, against your team, Marley, Newcastle, didn't they? They beat Newcastle on opening day 1-0, was it? Um, And then I'm just looking through their results here. Some of the other games, they beat Burnley 2-1. They lost 3-1 to Liverpool, but Liverpool are on an unbelievable winning streak. Drew 2-2 with Spurs after coming from two goals behind. 2-2 with Watford. They conceded 2. They were 2-0 up. Um, They've won all of their cup games. Um, with a clean sheet, 5-0, 4-0, 3-0. Uh, they, beat Ars- uh, they beat Aston Villa 3-2, even though they were down to 10 men. Drew with Manchester United. Um, s- and they won 1-0 against Bournemouth at the weekend. So they're in yeah. third position. And we're talking about how shaky their defence are and they do <laughs> concede goals. But, you know, the table doesn't lie, as the old cliche goes. No,
0: Arsenal doing all right. I think Sunday highlighted Arsenal's predicament perfectly. In the first half, they were, they were absolutely electric. Um, and in the second half... They just really struggled against a Bournemouth front three, um, so I, f- I think going forward they look, they look great at the back. We're still a little bit shaky. I'm a big fan of Gendouzi, Um and uh, I, I quite like how. This isn't a hairstyle thing. I quite like how him and uh, Louise operate together. It's quite nice. So oh, um,
1: father and son,
0: <laughs> yeah, somewhat, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> he's got Ivan e- e Campo on the training ground <laughs> as <laughs> well. <laughs> so uh, do you know what? I think I think if you're an Arsenal fan, you're going to be quite happy with how it's gone so far this season. Going forward, they look great. Just at the back, they're just a bit shaky. Um, yeah, could could do with getting a centre back in. Um, Another one. Yeah, what the uh, German lad played on there uh, Sunday, um, Mustafi, Mustafi and. Yeah. I just, I just don't feel confident. When well, he's Mustafi
2: playing. and Luis, the games they've played together, one hundred percent clean sheet record. They've Have not, they? they've not conceded a goal. Two mm-hmm. games by all, by, all, by all accounts. Wow, two wow games I'll take that. Just... But you know they've not conceded a goal yet. Um, David Luiz has got a mistake in him. Mustafi's got a mistake in him. We know but, that. We've just... seen Socrates making mistakes. But let's not think. Let's think about what Unai Emery has yet to come back. Still got Rob Holding to come back. Kieran Tierney's yet to really get fully into his stride. He was back great in the Europa League um, yeah. midweek. Brilliant cross to uh, yeah. Martinelli for his goals. Bayerine's uh, yet to come back as well for, from injury. Lacazette's injured. So that's four
0: players I can think of. It, it was, they were just undone very easily by Bournemouth, um, especially on a counter-attack, very easily on Sunday. And I think against a good team, that's going to show. Okay. No offence to Bournemouth, but against a really top team, that'll show
1: we always go back to this don't we we always go on about how Arsenal aren't that good but they kept a clean cheat at the weekend so they do, they're they clearly getting better and the third in the table so one thing that's impressed me this season about Arsenal is the fact that Aubameyang just always scores like he always gets a chance and he just always he always hits the back of the net like you always know you've got a chance with him so even if you are a bit shaky at the back all you got to do is create one or two chances and you probably score and then once Lacazette comes back into that then you've got then you you really cook it on gas because by that time you hopefully have got the the jitters at the back sorted. Gendouzi's playing fantastic; he's having a great season. Yeah, um, and then Aubameyang, Pepe still settling in a little bit. Mm. And then you've got the likes of Saka and um, Willock and Nelson and all, all these young lads coming yeah. through. Martinelli as well. So. Talking
0: about underrated managers. Uh, I think you've got to give credit to Unai Emery. Um, if you look at look at Man United, for example, have struggled to replace Alex Ferguson. I think he's he's settled in quite nicely to replacing Arsene Bang. There are a
2: lot of Arsenal fans though who don't fancy Unai Emery. They don't like the way he plays. They 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 don't like. They don't think he fits well enough for the Arsenal job. And I don't understand this. How can Arsenal fans say what fits and what doesn't fit as the manager of their football club when they've had the same manager for twenty years before Unai Emery? doesn't make any sense. There's no, there's no blueprint. There's no mould for an Arsenal manager. You've had the same manager for the last 20-odd years. So, I mean, what, what, what's that comment about? They
1: want to go back to that thing, don't they? The 1-0 to the Arsenal. They won 1-0 at the weekend. Yay! What's your problem? <laughs> exactly. Back to
2: back. normal service resumed, as, uh, as some people would say. But Arsenal currently in third. They're four points ahead of Spurs. Are they now, at this moment in time, as we uh, go into this international break, more likely to finish in
0: the Champions League spots than Spurs? The season's too long. I can't say. Depends what happens to Spurs in January. Um, it depends whether they have a turning form. They lost
2: 3-0 to Brighton, Steph, Spurs. 3-0. Yeah, no, no goalkeeper. I know, Players that don't want to Ars- be there.
0: Arsenal will lose 3-0 to somebody this season in you know, in bad circumstances. So I, I think that all these sides are kind of chopping and changing. We're all kind of on a similar level. Between Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, um, maybe Leicester, but I'm not sure... I don't, I don't know who's going to fill the top four. Well,
2: Arsenal can see goals as we talk about, but they've only lost once this season. Liverpool haven't lost yet, obviously. Man City have lost twice now. They draw a
0: lot, Arsenal, though, don't they?
2: Yeah, they've drawn three games this season out of their eight. They've won four, uh, currently on 15 points. Top of the table is, of course, Liverpool 24. Then Manchester City in second with 16. Leicester in the top four on 14, along with Chelsea and Crystal Palace both on 14. Uh, So that's it for another episode of Football Social Daily. Thank you very much, Stefan. Thank you very much, Marley. I've been Niall. Don't forget, as I mentioned before, to tune into the podcast tomorrow if you are a Manchester United fan. If not, I'd suggest maybe swerving it tomorrow and giving yourself (laughs) a bit of a day's break because it's going to be carnage with all of the full-time Devils lads talking about Oligon and Solskjaer, his future, and probably uh, those above him as well in the Old Trafford boardroom. Uh, But that's it for now. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you soon.